please turn and follow along with me. Um, the, the Bible passage is on the handout and it's also on the screen. So let's read together God's word. Acts chapter 2 verses 36 to 47. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and, and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Thanks, Carolyn. Well, good morning. My name's Scott. If I haven't met you yet, I'd love to meet you afterwards. Uh, over morning tea. And uh, you'll f uh, find that uh, Bible reading in there and also sermon outline uh, in your handouts today. It'll be really handy to keep that out so you can make sure I'm not making stuff up. And uh, let's pray and ask God for his help. We are just going to focus on uh, verse 42 uh, through to 47 uh, this morning. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open our eyes this morning to see wonderful things in your word. Amen. Well, when God's Spirit comes into a person, a new person is born. A massive change takes place, a massive transformation. We see people, don't we? They come to Jesus and they turn their backs on things that they've spent their whole lives pursuing. They leave behind patterns of behaviours that have been ingrained for decades. People start to love things that they never loved before and they start to hate things that they never hated before. You hear people say things that they never in a million years would have said. God's spirit makes a massive change in a person and it's incredibly attractive, isn't it? When you see the change in someone who's come to Jesus, that's an incredibly powerful and attractive thing for someone to witness. Uh, I'm sure there are people in this room who have been drawn to Jesus because you've seen someone else come to Jesus and you've seen the way they've been transformed 
And it sucked you in, it's drawn you in to find out more about who this Jesus is that changes lives like this. See, that change is, is a proof that God's Spirit is really at work and has brought new life. And this morning, we're looking at what happens when God's Spirit changes a lot of people at the same time and brings them together into a community. A new community is born that didn't exist before. A community that loves and celebrates and does things that no other community does. We see here that the Spirit creates a community that is radically different to any other community. This community is, of course, called the church, and it's incredibly attractive. Uh, last week, as we looked over the, uh, the whole of Acts chapter 2, uh, we saw that the coming of the Holy Spirit is proof that Jesus is risen Lord and King. Today, uh, as we come to the end, we'll see that uh, the, the Spirit-filled community, we'll see that what that Spirit-filled community looks like should also be proof that Jesus is Lord and King. Well, Luke shows us here that uh, the most obvious evidence of the Spirit in the Christian community is devotion to four things, a commitment, a dedication, a, a persistence in four things. Have a look at verse 42. They, that's the new believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. These devotions are what made this uh, community so unique, but also so attractive. And as we uh, look at them this morning, as Kerry said, uh, we'll be uh, thinking about our own and reflecting on our own church community. So point one, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, I feel like uh, if you want to kind of test uh, something about society, test a theory about or find out, you know, what does this world that we live in believe, uh, the best place to go is to the school playground. Uh, you go in, if uh, maybe a Lutheran school might have a slightly different uh, take, uh, but I reckon if we walked into Mount Barker High School tomorrow at lunchtime, into the playground, uh, and, and we asked a bunch of kids, well, what, what is spirituality? I reckon we'd probably get a, a, pretty, fair, uh, a pretty fair answer that, that kind of encapsulates what our society believes spirituality is. I reckon some kid would probably kind of adopt the Buddha pose and, uh, and say that they're emptying their minds and tapping into something else. See, I think many people in our society think of being spiritual as, as, as bypassing our brains. To have a spiritual experience, to be spiritual, we actually kind of shortcut around our minds. But here what we see is that true spirituality doesn't bypass our mind, it actually focuses on it, it starts with it. They devoted themselves from the beginning to the apostles' teaching. See, the Spirit-filled church is a church devoted to the mind, to applying our minds to learning, to what is real, to what is true. We're not devoted to emptying our minds or, or locking ourselves in a room waiting for God to talk to us, uh, but we're devoted to the teaching of the people who saw Jesus firsthand who received Jesus' teachings firsthand and passed them on to us. 
See, this, this, is, this is why the Christian faith is actually the polar opposite of what our world thinks Christian faith is. Our world thinks that Christian faith is, is that bypassing the mind and, and convincing ourselves, conning ourselves to believe something that our mind tells us can't be true. Christian faith, however, is actually applying our minds to figure out what actually is real and true and then believing in that. We're a people who investigate, who question, who look for concrete, logical, factual basis for our faith and we devote ourselves to that pursuit, to knowing God in truth, to knowing him more and more deeply, to understanding who he is, what he's done for us and what he wants us to be. In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, the Apostle Paul says that uh, if Christianity isn't based on fact, it's actually the world's biggest waste of time. He says, if Christ has not actually been raised, your faith is futile. It's a waste of time. See, Christianity is not a mind-closed religion, but a mind-open religion. And it shows us that, that we can't actually make it up as we go either, can we? Uh, it's not that we come in to Christianity through the teaching and then we leave the teaching behind. No, we come into the teaching, through the teaching, through our minds, and then we go deeper and deeper and deeper in that teaching. We understand more and more and more who God is and what he wants for us. See, this teaching, we know we can trust as well, because we see there in verse 43 that it was confirmed, it was authorised as true through the incredible wonders and signs the apostles performed. And in that teaching, we come to know what spirit-filled life looks like. We come to know what spirit-filled community must look like and what spirit-empowered mission looks like. See, the teaching is the tool that God's spirit uses to transform us. You might uh, be familiar with Romans 12, tells us don't conform, so don't be shaped by the pattern of the world, don't be shaped by this world that we live in, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. As we focus on the teaching of the apostles, our thinking is changed and renewed and challenged and set in the right direction. Our minds are renewed and that trickles down and flows into our hearts. As our minds are reset to realise what's really, really true, our hearts grab onto that truth because it's wonderful. And we love and trust as a response to what we've learnt. And thankfully for us, the Apostles' teaching has been preserved for us uh, in incredible accuracy over a huge number of manuscripts that were taken down very, very early, and, and we've got such incredible proof that the word that we read in the Bible is the word that was passed down to these very first believers on that first Pentecost. So as God's spirit-filled community, we must be devoted to the apostles' teaching. And that's why at the very centre of everything we do here at Trinity is God's word. Now notice uh, verse 46 
every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Now, as God's spirit-filled church, we must actually be committed Sunday through Saturday. These people gathered regularly, daily, to hear God's word. Together, not just, not just in public, but in homes, in cafes, in, in growth groups we, we gather, in kids' church we gather, in youth we gather, in our families, in our cars, in our lunch breaks, in, even in our beds, we devote ourselves to hearing God's word, to the teaching of the apostles. Because it's God's word that equips us to fight sin. It's God's word that teaches us to think rightly about the world and empowers us to follow Jesus. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And so our question we have to ask ourselves is, how devoted am I to the apostles' teaching? How devoted am I each day to hearing God's word, to making sure my mind is being transformed and shaped more by God's word than this world that I live in? How devoted are you to devoting yourself to the apostles' teaching? Secondly, we learn that this spirit-filled community was devoted to fellowship. Now, have you ever been uh, visited a church where, you know, the sermon ends, the last song is sung, the service leader prays, and then all of a sudden, everyone jumps up, walks out to their car and drives home? I've been to a couple. It's quite a weird experience. It's weird when you're the visitor and you feel like you're the last one and someone's waiting to shut the doors and, and you're waiting for you to just move on. It's, that would kind of be a weird experience of church, wouldn't it? Or maybe, maybe you've been in a church where people don't just walk out the door straight away, but actually the only time that they gather together is on a Sunday. Once a week, a Sunday morning, two hours together. It's not a very rich experience of Christian community, is it? It's not a very rich experience of family. Not a very rich experience of being Christ's spirit-filled people. No, these new disciples, they devoted themselves to meeting together. Have a look at verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They even sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, this is where the extroverts among us think, that sounds awesome. And all the introverts just kind of cower and think, that sounds terrible. I don't want to be with people every day. That sounds horrible. But the reality is, isn't it? Introvert, extrovert, we all need people. We all need relationships, deep, meaningful, intimate relationships. We all need fellowship and encouragement and companionship and closeness. Now, when it says they got together every day, it doesn't mean that all 3,120 believers all got together in the same place every single day of the week. No, it just means that in the life of that church, every day people were meeting. People were getting together not just in public at the temple, but, look, in homes as well. Twos and threes and and ten here and twelve there and fifty out there. 
in public, in homes, in cafes, gathering throughout the week when they could, in whatever way they were able. Now, if you're an introvert and you're thinking, well, gathering with the whole church every single day sounds terrible, actually, I don't think that's what they were doing. They were gathering together as often as they could, but they were gathering just in small groups as well. Intimate, close, in homes, in lounge rooms, around dining tables. Now, I know that for some people here, uh, Sunday is is the only fellowship that, that you get with your church family. And I know that for some of us, it's a miracle that you can even get here on a Sunday. I know for some of us, we're in situations where we desperately love things to be different. We desperately love to gather with our brothers and sisters more frequently. But due to family or health or mobility or whatever reason, I know some of us would love to gather more but can't. But I know for some of us, we've kind of just carved out a little tiny chunk of time on a Sunday morning when we feel like we're going to make it and that's our fix for the week. Now I want to say I'm really glad you've done that. I'm really glad you've carved that out. I'm really glad you're with us. I don't want to say this to shame you or guilt you or beat you up. I say this because I actually think you're missing out on something really, really great. I think you're not getting the fullest and richest experience of being part of this wonderful, spirit-filled community. On knowing and being known, of loving and being loved, of helping and being helped, of of close-knit family, of bearing each other's burdens and growing together and building each other up, of learning more and more about God's amazing love and kindness to us through the lives of each other. I want to encourage you, being devoted to gathering with our brothers and sisters is a wonderful thing. Now, our average attendance, actually, as a church, I've had a look at our numbers, our average attendance on a Sunday, just a Sunday, is 50%. So that means that uh, the average person is here one out of every two weeks. Now, imagine that was your soccer team, where every single member of your soccer team showed up one out of every two games. Or if it was your workplace, where every colleague showed up one out of every two days. Or if it was your CFS unit and every member turned up to one out of every two fires. Now, I don't think that would be a particularly well-bonded team. I don't think that would be a particularly effective team. Certainly wouldn't have the same richness as a team where every member is committed to being there as much as they possibly can, to having each other's back, to showing up to encouraging one another and working together. Jesus said that actually this is how the world will know you're my disciples. It'll be by your love for each other. As God's spirit-filled church, drawn to each other in love, can the world look at Trinity Church Mount Barker and see our love and commitment to each other as proof that we are Jesus' disciples? 
Now, I, I know a lot of people um, over the years have come to me and told me, look, you know, I just, don't, I just don't feel that connected, you know? Like, I hear you saying, you know, that I'm missing out, but I, I, I come to church, I don't feel like I really know that many people, I just, I just feel a bit disconnected here. Welcome to the rooster. <laughs> well, actually, it's funny. I, I don't ever recall someone coming and saying that to me who's committed to being there regularly, whenever they can, joined a small group, who's making an effort to spend time with people. The only people I can think of over the many years and the many churches who've come to me and said, I don't feel connected, are people who are holding themselves back from getting connected. So you might be sitting here this morning feeling like, actually, I don't feel that connected. I come here every Sunday. I, I don't know that many people. I don't feel like I'd be missed. I want to say to you, is it because you're holding yourself back? Are you devoted to fellowship? Or are you missing out because you're holding yourself back? The church, the spirit-filled church, was devoted to apostles' teaching, devoted to fellowship, and third, devoted to something unusual, eating together. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Now, I don't know if you think back over 2022, think about church over the last year, uh, if you've been at one. Uh, I think my highlights of this past year have been times we've actually eaten together. I think of uh, our potluck lunch together as a church with mission partners. I think of our picnics down at Keith Stevenson Park. I think of getting together with many of the blokes at church over steak and salad. We did eat salad. <laughs> I think about lunches and dinners and brunches that we've shared with people in our home. I think of times when people invited us to their homes for a meal. They've been the richest and the fullest and the best moments in church life. See, there's something really, really special about eating together, isn't there? It's incredible that something kind of so natural and essential can also be something so wonderful and amazing. And I think, uh, I think about... Uh, the, the past little while, that's really been hammered, I think, with COVID. <laughs> with COVID, people who maybe, you know, spent more time with other people, maybe ate with people, had people round. COVID came, we all had to hide out for a while. And it kind of, it kind of, all of our hospitality muscles just sort of seized up and shriveled. And after COVID, it's been a, a real effort to kind of get back in the habit of spending time with people, of inviting people around. But actually, as we eat together, as we share food, we also share stories and life. We share connection and we come to truly love one another as we spend time together and enjoy a meal together. See, one of the most powerful tools we have for discipleship for discipling and encouraging brothers and sisters in Christ and for evangelism, for bringing people who don't know Jesus to know him. One of the most powerful tools we have is our local cafe, our local pub, our dining room table, our, our kitchen bench, our barbecue. 
your kettle, your biscuit tin, your home. These are powerful tools to build relationship. Food is kind of like the fuel and the lubrication that makes friendships. Now, it's funny, um, Keely, people often say that Keely must love cooking. Just yesterday, she said to me, why do people always think I love cooking? Because she doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't love cooking at all. Just telling you. But it's just that she, she uses, she recognises the power of eating together for relationship, for encouraging and building people up, for discipleship, for evangelism. And so she just makes it happen. And I think it's really important for us to recognise, not only is this really powerful, but actually it's, it's not about something fancy. It's not about, something, it's not about a spotless house or an amazing meal. You don't have to cook a three-course dinner. Actually, you can do wonderful hospitality with a water out the tap and some microwave noodles. It's about relationship, inviting people in. I think Australians and Europeans just aren't. We're not hospitable people. You go anywhere else in the world, basically, you go to Asia, Africa, you soon realise what hospitality is. People come, come, they stuff you full of food and it's, it's amazing to receive that, isn't it? It's a wonderful feeling. Let us be the people in Mount Barker who are the people who are inviting and stuffing people full of food and making people feel wonderful and attracted to Jesus. Let me encourage you this year, let's make 2023 the year we hit the reset button after COVID, the year we go, okay, I'm going to flex and work on building up those hospitality muscles. I'm going to start small. Start small. Break out the tea and biscuits. Break out the beer and the pack of chips. Break out the barbecue and the soup and the sauce. Make sure there's sauce even the microwave noodles. Are you devoted to eating together with other believers? Devoted to the apostles' teaching, devoted to fellowship, devoted to eating together, and lastly, devoted to prayer. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Verse 46. They broke their bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. The Spirit-filled church is a God-focused community, a community where we don't leave God out of our conversation, where he's right in the centre of our relationships with each other. By praying, we acknowledge that God is actually here gathered with us. God is part of this relationship, this bond that we have as his children. By praying, we bring our cares and our worries and our needs and our joys and our thanks and our praise to him knowing that he is always listening. Now, I know for a lot of us, we find praying with other people quite hard. That's actually quite a common experience. And so if you feel, if you feel like that, it's okay. You're not the only one. A lot of us find it hard to pray with someone else. But it's a little bit like those hospitality muscles. Prayer together is also a bit of a skill that builds up as we exercise, as we take those first steps and give it a go. See, prayer isn't just a private thing. Right from the beginning, prayer is something that we do together. 
Think of it a bit like a, a box of Cadbury's favourites. You know the chocolates? No one gives you a box of favourites so you can just sit in a corner and eat them all by yourself. You might have done that before, but you'll know that it's not a good idea. A box of favourites is designed to be shared. And actually, prayer is like that for us too. Sure, pray on your own as well, but pray together. I know that um, some really precious moments for me uh, with many of you here in this room have been here over morning tea as, as we've talked, we've chatted, and then afterwards we've prayed together for each other. What an incredible opportunity. Or as we've met in the cafe or at the pub and, and we've shared and we've talked and we've stopped and said, let's just pray for that together. And we've brought it to God, trusting him who loves us and is in control of our lives and this world we live in. God's people, his spirit-filled people, are a people who are devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. And look at the effect it has. It actually has an incredible attractional power. Verse 44. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, church, today in Australia, we have definitely fallen out of favour with society. And favour isn't our ultimate goal. We cannot exist to try and stay in the favour of this community, this culture that is openly rebelling against Jesus. But, but, as we preach the gospel, the gospel that divides, the gospel that some people will rebel against, if we are a spirit-filled community devoted to these things, to many that will be an incredible attraction. To many they will see a community where no one is in need because we care for each other at our own cost. A community where no one is lonely because we are committed to spending time together. A community that loves each other. And they'll be attracted to that. They'll feel they're missing out on something. And some of those people will be saved. Now, I can guarantee that the more and more we look like that devoted community, the more and more people will look on us with favour. The more and more people will be drawn to come and explore Jesus for themselves. Well, our question of the day, you'll find it there on the bottom of your outline is where do you need to be more devoted? It might be something that we've talked about there this morning where you think, actually, that's an area that this year, 2023, I really need to make a change. I really need to commit to. Bring it to God, pray to him, share it with another brother or sister, pray together and make an effort this year to be more devoted to Christ in that way.